On this episode of Money with Friends, regulation, best interest, a new SEC rule to protect consumers and investors may sound better than it actually is. We'll break it down with the Plutus Foundation's Harlan Landis. It is Wednesday, July 22nd. This is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I'm Harlan Landis from the Plutus Foundation, and I'm coming to you today from Yardley, Pennsylvania. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Harlan Landis of the Plutus Foundation. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial. And you will also be supporting the show. Harlan, welcome back. Great show on uh, Tuesday. Thanks for coming back to get today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back after that one. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Can you guys tell we taped this live? Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> We're a little bit flustered today. I think I say that a lot, though. Anyway, um, we were talking about the Plutus Awards on Tuesday's show. Tell us some examples of what the Plutus Foundation does, like an example of some product uh, of some projects that you guys fund. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, um, one of the things we do on our own is we uh, create a program. We created a program called Plutus Voices, and that's uh, an event that we host around the country. We usually have about thirty people attend in any city that we do this, and we have great discussions. We we raise up voices from our community. We allow people to speak on important topics uh, that help help financial influencers have a bigger impact on their audiences. So th that's a great program that we run ourselves. And we also, through our grants, support other projects. Um, and we have several types of grants. Some are, uh, some are designed to focus on financial literacy. And so we have supported uh, different initiatives, mostly uh, influencers who like to give sessions uh, and who have been effective in giving uh, financial literacy classes or sessions to certain audiences, whether it's teens or an underserved com uh, community in certain cities. And uh, our grant recipients uh, have been able to do so much, um, you know, thanks to not only just the support they receive the, from the foundation, but uh, from the support they receive from the community at large. And, uh, and, and aside from that, we also support financial influencers with projects that they're, uh, that they're putting together, whether it's um, in-person events for other financial media or projects that they do on their website where they're collecting lots of uh, important resources, um, such as uh, the iHeart Budgets, uh, coronavirus resources. Uh, we, we supported uh, Jacob Wade as he put that together, so it was great for us to take uh bring some attention to to invaluable resources that the community of financial influencers are putting together and this work by the way is really important because we need more financial literacy so people know what they're doing because even though there's laws and we're going to talk about this on today's shows there's rules and laws to protect consumers a lot of times people don't know what they don't know and it's a really dangerous world out there and people can really lose a lot of money that they need. So we're going to be talking about how, what you guys need to know about these new rules and what works for you. And there's kind of a big loophole here. So let's see which one of our friends is going to bring us into this story. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. 
Headlines ripped from the financial press only at Money with Friends. Financial brokers must now act in your best interest. What does that mean? A new standard established by the Securities and Exchange Commission may sound better than it actually is, consumer advocates say. This article is by uh, Tara Siegel Bernard, and I think it was in the New York Times. Correct. Yes. New York Times. Uh, The next time you shop around for financial advice, more investment professionals will be able to assure you that they're acting in your best interest. And and that's in quotation marks there. But Mm -hmm. what's really in your best interest is understanding precisely what that means. A Security and Exchange Commission rule that took effect on June 30th created a new standard for brokers to live up to. Those who sell financial products must act in their customers' best interest. But consumer advocates say investors could be led to believe they're getting more protections than the rule delivers. And the new regulation could soon have even broader influence. A complementary proposal from the Labor Department would allow financial professionals to accept payments like commissions when providing advice on your retirement money as long as they met the best interest standard. At the same time, more professionals may be able to skirt the rules altogether, consumer advocates said. Here's a quotation. This is the new wolves in sheep's clothing, said Jamie Hopkins, director of retirement research at Carson Group in Omaha. The rule that recently took effect, called Regulation Best Interest, covers brokers who often make commissions when they sell things like mutual funds or stocks and bonds to average investors. Uh, Quotation again. Main Street investors will be entitled to recommendations and advice in their best interest. The financial professional cannot put its interests ahead of the investor, says said Natalie Strom, a spokeswoman for the SEC. But consumer advocates said that wasn't the same thing as putting the client first. Quotation, notably, the rule does not say that best interest means that a broker must place a customer's interests ahead of the broker's, which is what most people would think a best interest regulation would include, said Benjamin Edwards, an associate professor of law at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. That still allows brokers or their firms to consider their own pockets when making recommendations, he said. The agency calls the rule an improvement over the old standard, which required brokers to recommend products that were, quote, suitable based on factors such as the customer's age, goals, and risk tolerance. The new rule also aims to rein in certain sales contests, for example, and requires brokers to consider costs, among other things. I mean, let's just pause there for one second. Can you imagine if you were sold a financial product that could potentially like an annuity could affect your whole life because that broker was incentivized? by a contest like what's he going to win a trip to Hawaii if he sells the most and you are part of that that is so upsetting yeah I I think I think it happens already and customers don't even know about it I know and then it doesn't even require them to consider costs so they can send you they could sell you something where you can basically get the same thing for less money but they don't have to even tell you that Mm-hmm. And it may be baked into the price, so you don't even know what their commission is. You don't know what other fees there are that are packed in there. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's just keep reading. Consumer advocates fear that there will be confusion, though, you think? The best interest rule sounds, simil- sounds similar to, d- to the traditional gold standard obligation that certain other financial professionals must meet. Fiduciary duty, which typically means working solely in the interest of the client. I think the word solely is the key thing here, Harlan. The kinds of professionals held to that standard include registered investment advisors who are often paid flat fees for the time they give that 
the time they take to give you the advice, or a percentage of assets managed. The SEC's own investor advocate also voiced concerns about the potential for confusion. Customers will be harmed if the rule, quote, is not enforced rigorously enough to demand behavior that matches customers' expectation, unquote, the advocate Rick Fleming said in a statement when the rule was proposed last year. If you want to be certain you're working with a financial professional who's truly putting your interests first, advocates suggest asking him or her a question. Are you acting as a fiduciary 100% of the time? Then ask for a signed oath saying as much. The broker should be able to fully explain how he or she is compensated. Whoa. So I am a CFP and I can tell you the ethics laws, the ethics rules for CFPs are very high. We have new and higher ethical standards that were put in place recently. And we do, if you are advising somebody as a CFP, you must be acting as a fiduciary. If you're advising somebody as a CFP and they're your client, you are acting as a fiduciary. But a lot of people don't always care about those designations. I mean, what do you think? You're very plugged into the financial community. A lot of people give advice in your community that may or may not have um, some kind of certification that requires them to be a fiduciary. And maybe even not, they may not even have to do this best interest rule. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, across the community, the, the general advice that is given out is for one-on-one financial advice, seek a CFP, seek someone who is, uh, who has that fiduciary responsibility. And, uh, and, but I know that it's, it, it's not always the first place that a lot of consumers go. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I've moved some investments over to um, a bank to take advantage of some programs, and I deal with uh, with a broker there. And the broker, uh, the broker, um, it's not fiduciary. Um, they, I expect them to provide advice if I ask for it that is in my best interest. But I know that they are incentivized. Um, a lot of people don't understand how they are incentivized in order to provide. Um, you know, it's 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 basically a sales job, and. I would like to get away from a world where financial advice is like going to a car dealer to buy a car. We know that dealerships have incentives. We we hear about them all the time. We know that there are customer incentives as well. Um, tons of sales. You see ads on TV. It's very heavily advertised. And a lot of what you see on TV for financial products is, is just the same way. Um, there's the, the world of incentives is huge. And if this new rule eliminates uh, some of those incentives, I think that's a good thing. But consumer education is is so important here because it is so easy for for a an investment product salesperson who is not necessarily a financial advisor to um, to take this rule and make it sound like they are acting in their customer's best interest. But I think we have to make sure that all of us know who to go to, who to trust, and know the difference at least between an investment product salesperson and someone who's giving uh, financial planning advice. 
Very well said. And we actually reached out to our Instagram at Muddy Friends Pod audience and asked them, do you always know or ask how someone selling you a financial product is being paid? I will tell you. So I have the answer. Harlan does not have the answer in front of him. I was surprised by the answer. By the way, we were both wrong in yesterday, Tuesday's show, if you want to listen to that. So we don't have a great track record together. Um, I was surprised by this answer a little. Well, I'm not even going to characterize it till we reveal. Um, Do you know, we asked them, do you know? And in parentheses, we wrote or ask how someone selling you a financial product is being paid. How did our Instagram audience, we need some dramatic music here, Harlan, but how did our Instagram audience order Uh, answer that? I I think they answered um, uh, 50-50. I I think there are people who do ask the question. And I think there are people um, probably in the broader audience uh, who who just kind of uh, either don't get financial advice in the first place or uh, don't speak to a broker or just don't ask that question. Well, you're, I'm going to call you correct. I'm going to give you this one because we got yes, 56% and no, 44%. So that's pretty even. And that kind of surprised and a little bit disappointed me because I wish the number were higher for our audience than 56%. Mm-hmm. But at least the majority is asking or they feel confident that they know how their advisor is being paid. And I do agree with you, Harlan, that this is a step in the right direction. But it also, I think, does give people a sense of false security Later in the article, and I want to know what you think about this, it says brokers can skirt the fiduciary standard by structuring their interactions with clients as educational in nature and stopping short of what might be considered advice. In other words, that's a loophole, right? Yeah, it's it's hard to say exactly what the difference between educational in nature and advice would be. Um, you know, I, I think as someone who's written about money for uh, for for a long time and has been part of this community, um, what I, what I had written when when I was writing more frequently has been general educational style things. As as someone who's dealing with a mass audience, it's easy to say this is educational in nature. And when it comes to one-on-one advice, I would always tell people you should speak to a a certified financial planner or uh, some other equivalent or type of um, uh, certification to make sure that they're getting advice that is tailored to them, not just general education materials. So I I think it's pretty clear from that respect what it is. But when you are dealing one-on-one with someone, the idea that something is is, uh, I'm, I'm going to provide this to you and say this is just educational in nature. It's hard for the person on the receiving end of that to believe that it, it isn't. You know, there, there's no difference between that one-on-one education and one-on-one advice. So that is a really. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what qualifies as educational and what qualifies as yeah. uh, advice. It's tricky. And you also can make a one-time recommendation and still be in compliance with this rule. So for example, in the article, they give this example, there would be no fiduciary duty for an insurance agent who recommended rolling over the proceeds of a 401k plan into a fixed index annuity product in a one-time sale. So people, it's really still investor beware with this stuff. And that's why, you know, education, things like what your group does is so important that people know what's going on. Um, and we do have, by the way, a comment from Andrea Warwick. One, she's talking about the um, 
whether we know how in, how people how a financial advisor is being paid. And she says 100%, which of course we expect you to know that, Andrea. Um, the more open and honest, the more trustworthy I'd find them to be. And I think that's a nice sentiment that it is ultimately, even though you can make the quick sale by sort of fooling somebody, ultimately, if you want to have a long-term practice as a financial advisor, you're going to be better off if you do act in your client's absolute solely in their best interest. You may give up some short-term commissions or a prize, but ultimately you'll get a better reputation and your clients will be happier with you. And that will lead to more recommendations for other clients, right? People refer you. That's how you grow a business. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when you're asking this question to your broker or investment advisor, how are you paid? Um, good salespeople know how to skirt that question. And um, the, the, the more complicated the answer is, the further away it is from, you know, I'm paid as a percentage of assets or I'm paid uh, by the hour this rate for this type of advice. If those are all very simple answers, and they're the kind of answers that you're looking for. If they get into a complicated explanation of how they're paid, um, and it, it still sounds good to you, just know that that complication is 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 how they're how any good salesperson manipulate manipulates someone into into that sale. So you've got to look out for that, and just look for those clear and concise answers. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I am a CFP, and I find this very nuanced and confusing. I feel like. If I was not really on my game, I could easily be fooled by some of this because there's a lot of little loopholes, nuances, whatever you want to call them, ways to get around this where you can be very specific about the way you approach the client and get away with selling them something that is not solely in their absolute best interest where you are incentivized by something else. So... Before we get to our takeaways, I do want to talk to everyone about being organized. It's something I have been working on, and I think Tiller is a great solution for that. And we're very thankful that they sponsor uh, Money with Friends. It helps you manage your money a lot faster, 10 times faster, in fact, in a spreadsheet. And it connects your banks through Google Sheets and Excel, tracks your daily spending, transaction balances. You don't have to compromise, though, because their spreadsheets are customizable, so you can make them fit your needs. Tiller makes it even better because it gives you those daily feeds. You don't have to put in the daily entry, multiple account logins, and so on. You just connect, connect your banks once. You can see your transactions automatically updated each day. Set it once. You don't have to do anything else. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more info and a free trial. And please use our link tillerhq.com forward slash MWF so that they know that we sent you and support the show. Harlan, let's wrap this up. What's your takeaway? So my takeaway to this is, um, well, first of all, Self-education is is important. Um, there's only so much doing your own research can do because the more you search online for things, the more you find information that it can, it is self-conflicting and, and, and everything like that. So it's, it's important to speak to people who are trustworthy about money. And I've got to say that that's going to be, in most cases, a CFP. Um, if you can't do that um, and uh, you need to speak to uh, an investment advisor or a broker, at least be aware of how their job works and how they're being paid. And you can get to that answer by asking those questions. But I think we also have a larger responsibility as individuals in uh, society as well to make sure that the, the rules that are put in place are the ones that benefit, the ones that take the consumer's uh, needs as primary. So if we're not getting anywhere and the regulations uh, that we have in the, this industry are not 
are not um, doing what they need to do, then we need to all, all speak up on behalf of consumers everywhere so that the uh, the industry will change and suit the consumer in a way that best suits them. And I think that comes down to um, just being, paying attention to consumer issues and uh, voting with your wallet, uh, sending your business to people who have your best interests in mind, and making sure that the people you know do the same, and to make sure that the people in power are also aware of the issues that are important and putting people in power who are accepting of those issues. Very well said. Mine is a little bit shorter and more to the point in that I'm just going to tell people <laughs> what to do. Um, not That was really good wisdom. This is very practical and specific because I want people to know that later in the piece, it has something that we can all do if you feel one way or the other. You know, some people may feel that they want that this is too much pr- protection. Maybe the, that, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know. There's There are two sides to everything. So I just want to acknowledge that. Um, but later in the piece, it says stakeholders can submit comments on the new proposal for 30 days ending August 6th. So this is originally, this podcast is coming out July 22nd. So there's a couple weeks there for everybody. The labor department will review these comments and evaluate what, if anything, changes are needed. So wherever you come down on this, participate and maybe it will have an impact. So you can go get this article. First of all, it's New York Times um, and it is written by... um, uh, by Tara Siegel Bernard. The date on the piece is July 16th, 2020. Financial brokers must now act in your best interest. What does that mean is the headline. You guys can search for it. We will also have a link to the story on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. We put links to all of the stories that we discussed there. You look for it on the schedule, on the calendar for the date that this episode first dropped, which is July 22nd. So go there, look it up. And if you want, you can submit comments on the new proposal by August 6th. And if not, um, then just follow this news. I think we're going to maybe come back to this and see what happens. Um, on that note, Harlan, thank you so much for joining us two days in a row. Tell us where people can be in touch with you and keep track of what you're up to for the next four weeks till you're back. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. It's always uh, great to be here. And uh, I love this show. And it's it's so fabulous to be a part of it. And um, anyone who wants to get in touch with me or find out what the Plutus Foundation is up to can go to PlutusFoundation.org or follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Plutus Awards uh, or find me on the same social media at Harlan Landis. And of course, we're on Facebook as well. And you can find us by searching there. Thank you so much. And of course, you can learn more about Harlan and all of our co-hosts on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. And please follow us at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Follow us on Instagram stories to be part of our questions, quizzes, polls, etc. You may get a shout out in the show. And of course, we love it when you guys uh, post reviews about the show. So please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to um, podcasts and leave us a review. We love them all. and We really appreciate them all. We appreciate everyone being with us. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everybody. This show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. 
For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.